This is Business Women Australia podcast, featuring industry leaders who bring their wealth of expertise from diverse areas to help you build a successful business. Now, on to the show. Welcome to another episode of Business Women Australia podcast. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. My guest today says our genes do not determine our fate. And joining me on today's show is Cindy Scott. Cindy is the founder and CEO of Evolving Women Co., which is a platform for women who are seeking sanctuary, a place to heal, to grow and flourish. She is a mindset coach as well as a cancer whisperer activating mind-body healing in women journeying with cancer. Cindy is also the author of The Healing Journal, The Gift of Cancer, and she's the host of the Rethinking Cancer series. Now, on today's show, Cindy is going to share why we should shift the way we look at cancer. She is going to talk about the impact of having a positive mindset when it comes to healing, as well as how in order to heal fully, we need to take a holistic view, focusing on our mind, our heart, and of course, our soul as well. So welcome to the show, Cindy. Thank you so much, Anne-Marie. What a beautiful introduction. <laughs> Thank you Wonderful. for sharing uh, this topic uh, and, you know, being able to welcome you to, to share your journey and insights and particularly um, from a viewpoint of, you know, how many women may be struggling with this themselves. It's always nice to hear from someone who's gone before and has walked that journey and now, of course, mm-hmm. has insights to share. So for those people who may not have had an opportunity to connect, to meet with you and who may not have heard you share your story. Can you take us back a little bit and, and give us an sure. insight? Absolutely. And I suppose probably what's unique about my story, Anne-Marie, is that I've walked the path of breast cancer not once but twice. So I would say I have this sort of, um, you know, uh, trial run and then the second run where I handled them both very differently. And I think there's value in women hearing the way that I did approach them both times because I think most people could relate to the way that I handled it the first time. So the first time, which was 2016, I was diagnosed with DCIS, which is um, I had cancer in my left breast, and I basically refused much of the treatment. I went, I isolated myself. I didn't actually share it with friends and family. I really kind of put on this brave face, like, I'm fine, I've got this, I'm strong. But I really wasn't. I was actually falling apart on the inside. So I was putting on this front of, I've got this, I don't need help, Um, continued working, refused a lot of the treatment that the oncologist had recommended for me. And I um, kind of, in a way, really just was in denial that I even had cancer. So it was kind of swept under the carpet. I was a single mum back then. I decided, no, I've got to get on with things. I've got to continue working. You know, if I don't work, then I don't get money. And I had a son to look after as well. So I was really very much in survival mode and just getting on. And so when I was diagnosed in 2020 for the second time, and it was a much more aggressive cancer, Um, I thought, well, the way that I handled it the first time really didn't work for me. And clearly I'm I'm walking down this path again. So my now beautiful husband said to me at that time when I was diagnosed um, for the second time, he said, 
Cindy, you know, there's a lot of people that love you and they want to help you. Why don't you actually let them help you, support you and um, be there for you? And, you know, at the same time, the other thing that was happening was um, COVID was taking a center stage in the world. So we went into self-isolation. I had to go to a lot of my treatments by myself. But I guess what came up for me in that very early stage of being diagnosed the second time was I thought, I don't want to try and crush cancer. I don't want to meet um, this unwanted visitor with anger and bitterness because I thought to have those emotions swarming around in my body is really not the way for me to actually heal it. I wasn't going to meet cancer with anger and and find a way to heal lovingly through that. So I thought, no, there's got to be another way. And I have a beautiful friend, um, Aaron Lee, who runs the Mindful Yoga School here on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. And she's like, well, what would be different for you if you actually met it with love and compassion, that you actually got curious about why has it shown up for you and see it as a gift, a, an awakening, an opportunity to really hit pause on your life and question what's going on? You know, why has this shown up for you not once, but twice? And I think that's made a massive difference in the way that I approached my treatment that I actually, you know, down tools, took time out, shut my business down for a while so that I could actually get treatment. And um, meeting it much more lovingly and seeing it as a gift and an opportunity for me to take pause and to find ways to, I guess, really sort of, um, bring my life back into better alignment with my truth. Like I think we always know, right, when we're not living our truth, when, you know, we've got aches and pains in our body or we get headaches or we don't sleep well or we're stressed, we know that something's not right. So intuitively, and women are so good at this, we know um, our body is continually communicating with us. But if we override those messages, then we get into trouble. And I think cancer is one of those messages to go, hey, you wake up, you know, you're not on your path, you're actually, you know, fighting your natural rhythm and flow. And so it's an opportunity to bring you back onto your path. Yes, so agree. I mean, our body, when we uh, listen to it and intuitively, we know when something is is uh, not quite right. Absolutely. So, and thank you for sharing that journey, particularly now that you, as you said, you through the second time, you were looking at it through a completely different way, and now you're able to share some insights. For, for those of us who may be experiencing something similar, you know, why we would we shift the way that we look at cancer? What were some of the remarkable differences once you started to do that that you could see in the second time round and in the healing and, and uh, obviously moving forward? What were some of the noticeable differences? In There's there? probably three things that I would say were the key differences of how I approached my second time round. Firstly, I took a much more mindful approach to the way that I responded to it. I was meditating like a demon, like twice a day. I was spending considerable time just calming my nervous system because you go into a state of shock when you're diagnosed. I mean, when you hear those words, you have cancer. I mean, that natural response is for us to be frightened, to be that deer in headlights. 
So I took a very mindful approach and I meditated like crazy. Like I found all sorts of great meditations of which now I've created a number of them myself for people going through a similar journey. So the first one was mindfulness. The second one was choosing to have a positive outlook. So I chose to see that cancer showing up the second time was actually a gift. Now I know that's very confronting for a lot of people to hear. But looking at your diagnosis and treatment through that lens of seeing it as a gift actually makes such a difference to the way that you approach it and to your own innate capacity to heal from within. So choosing to see it as a positive, I know it's a horrendous thing to have that disease show up in your life and in your body, but if you could see it as hang on, maybe there's some gifts here that I'm to get. And I know for me, I took so much away from that journey. Um, you know, people say, well, what were the gifts for you? And I could go on for days about all the things that I took from it. Um, but yeah, so the gifts. And the third one is that I really actually chose to be vulnerable and allow people in on my journey. I didn't do that the first time. The second time, it was painful for me. Like I'm a tough, strong, go-getter kind of chick. And for me to go, you know what, world, I'm struggling right now and I need help. I'm falling apart. I am, I'm flat as a tack. I actually need bolstering. I need help. So um, it was a real challenge for me. And that was some, uh, you know, some real effort on my part to actually go you know what to family and friends I'm struggling I actually need help and that that was the first time in my life 50 years old that I said I am not okay I need help and so I had because we were in isolation because of COVID I was having a lot of video conferencing calls with family and friends. Most of my family are in Canada, so it was on video anyway. Um, but I let them see me fall apart. I let them see me bald. I let them see me flat and emotional and upset. Um, and as a result, that was met with so much more support because instead of putting on that tough girl facade that I have worn for many, many years, I actually got support because I let people in. So that vulnerability piece was a massive one for me. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that often it takes a significant um, emotional or physical, uh, you know, in this instance there was, you know, with the physical, your body experience for us to take stock and then say, you know what, I am going to show people what I need and that support. And it took a it took a situation to do that. But it's such a great reminder and it segues beautifully into the next point that you want to talk about, the impact of having a positive mindset with healing. I mean, we are created our bodies to heal, you know, uh, obviously if there's no mm. other uh, lying impact that, that you need to address. But if you cut yourself, your body will heal itself. And Definitely. And you inhibit that, don't you, by what you put your mind to, your attention to, what you continue to listen to, because if that's all negativity, doom and gloom and fear and worry and anxiety and so forth, that can impact, as you say, your healing. But then that's such a great reminder, not just in healing, but what are we continuing to surround ourselves with that is going to cause an environment in which we can inhibit our body to do what it does so well on mm -hmm. its own to, to heal. So share a little bit more about some of the insights that you had on the importance of having a positive mindset. 
Yeah, you said that so beautifully, Anne-Marie. Well done. Um, one of the things that I learned along my journey as well, I um, ended up doing some genetic testing, which led me down another path. And this was probably even more frightening than my diagnosis itself. I discovered that I have not only one gene mutation, I have both of them. So I have BRCA1 and BRCA2, which is extremely rare. I think it's like 0.2% of the population. And they're usually people of Jewish descent. I have no Jewish blood in me at all. So that made it even more bizarre to discover that I had both. And so like mum's got BRCA1, dad's got BRCA2, and somehow I won the genetic lottery and I got both. You are very so, special, Cindy. Oh, very yeah. special. So I was like, well, what does this mean? I thought like, am I doubly doomed? What, what does this actually mean for me? And there's not a lot of research out there around it because it's such a rare thing. So yes. that led me on a quest of trying to figure out, well, what does this mean for me? And this actually opened my eyes to... Um, some beautiful teachers in this space. So particularly uh, one was Dr. Bruce Lipton, who he's devoted his life's work to um, stem biology and epigenetics. Um, and one of the things that he says in his work is that our genetics do not determine our fate. What is more important is what's going on here between our ears. So quite rightly, as you said, um, the power of our mindset is so, so important in determining what goes on in our body. So it's important that we find ourselves in an environment that is relaxing, that's calm, that's stress-free, but it's also really important what goes on between our ears. So for me, I took that on as a real personal project going through my cancer treatment. The second time was how can I put myself in the best positive environment to encourage my own body to restore its balance because that's what our bodies want to do so how can I think more positively about something that is so horrendous and challenging so seeing it as a gift looking at every day looking at well what are some of the positive things like it might be a beautiful bird that I heard chirping outside or a girlfriend rang to see how I was going or my husband made a nice meal for dinner like just even the littlest things, I would choose to focus on what was good rather than what I what I didn't have. So um, that positive mindset is is critical to our own healing. Um, absolutely, so vital to actually make sure that we de-stress as well. So calming our nervous system and bringing our body back into balance as much as we possibly can ourselves. I knew I didn't, for me, didn't want to wait for doctors to do things to me. I wanted to take a lead role in my own healing journey and um, drive that bus myself. Like I wanted to. Um, it's important for everyone. I, you know, that we are beings that, that when we put ourselves in, I love the way that, that, um, that research has confirmed what many of us knew anyway to be true yeah. was you may have a genetic, um, I don't know the word, but propensity or whatever, that if you provide your body with the right environment, in this case, stress, anxiety, wrong foods, no exercise, all of those things, your body will be a prime, um, you know, in a prime position to have illness. Yep, there, totally. 
same token, provide the right environment and be a bit more mindful. I mean, you can look at it two ways. This goes back to what you were saying as well. Shift the way of thinking. You could have gone into complete panic and and wanted to ignore the fact that you were doubly blessed. Yeah. Again, changing the language to say <laughs> double things there. But you empowered yourself and said, okay. And I know that if I provide the right environment and I give my body you know, the environment, both mentally, physically and so forth, the ability to remain strong and, and nourish it and all of that, your body will do what it does and continue to, to support oh, you. Totally, absolutely. Um, our environment is so important, managing our emotions through this. I mean, it is for me, and that was one of the discoveries that I took away from my um, treatment journey was you know, the doctors are actually addressing me on a physical level. They're taking cells out of my body, having chemo um, coming through my body to kill everything off. But what I was left to think about was, well, what about my heart? What about the emotions that I have around this? And what about the psychology? What about the power of our mind to heal? And there wasn't any support around that. Like, not everyone can afford to have a therapist. Um, and so it can be a very lonely um, emotional upheaval um, as we go through that. So that was certainly something I found very challenging going through. And I think you often as, you know, individuals, no matter what situation in, in your instance is horrendous, uh, well, we're going to change that language. It's a situation that you, you've got cancer. You often think that the things that you're experiencing, you're on your own and you don't realise that there are others that have gone before you and that support. And then, as you said, the first time round, you shut yourself off when actually you realise the second time round, getting support was even more important. And here's why I think too, is that often as individuals, your family members who have the best of interest at, you know, at heart for you, we don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. And we don't want to put our foot in it by saying something wrong that's going to support, not support you in, in the, the, you know, your journey to healing. So what do we do is we kind of just stay away, you know, on the peripheral. And so you may then think, well, no one cares about me, but it's not that at all. It's just that don't know how best to support you so mm. sometimes opening that door and even if, if you are someone I think who um who has someone that is experiencing cancer if you don't know just say that if someone had said to you Cindy I'm here to support you any way that I can I don't know the best way so please tell me if there's anything that I can do I'm here for you that's spot on the best thing I, I have a lot of people ask me well I've got a friend or I've got a family um, member who's just been diagnosed. I don't know how to support them. So they ask me because I've been down the path twice. It's like, well, how do I support them? I think the most important thing to do is ask them how they would like to be supported because we're all unique. Some people might like human contact. Other people might want to be left alone. Some people might not want to be touched. Some people might love hugs. Some people might want you to bring food around because they, they don't feel well enough to cook or they might need, you know, a ride to treatment. Um, so you don't know what they need. So I think the most important thing you can do is just ask, yeah. how can I best support you through this right now? What do you need? Yeah, so important. Yeah. You know, one of the things that you have already said, and this, again, beautifully allows us to talk about the, the last point that you wanted to share some insights around, which was in order to heal fully, we have to take this holistic 
view of your mind, your heart and your soul too. And of course, as you said earlier, the doctors were there with the physical, the body, with the things that they knew through through their um, expertise. And of course, for you, it was more around the heart, the, 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 the mind as well. What were some of the things, just repeat, I know that you've said a number of things already, but for those people um, who may have just joined or, or may need to hear it again, sometimes we need to hear some things a number of times before it truly sets in on how important and powerful it can be. What were some of the things that you did the second time round that was really helpful for you? Okay, so I think probably one of the biggest things that I did the second time round was um, journaled. So I had I bought a nice special little book, um, lined um, book, and I just poured my heart out into that book. And the research actually supports the benefit of writing. So when we struggle to connect with our deepest thoughts, our deepest emotions, trying to make sense of what's going on. Like for me, I had a massive shift in my life. There was a lot of things that shifted very quickly. Like we were getting married six weeks out from my diagnosis. So we had to cancel our wedding, moved into chemo, lost my fitness, lost my health. Like I became very sick very quickly. My hair fell out, you know, 14 days later. It was a lot a lot of change and all of a sudden became very dependent on my husband. So I needed to find a way to make sense of it all. And I did have a few therapy sessions and they were amazing. Um, but I also found the power and practice of journaling was so valuable um, for me to connect with that swirl of emotions that was going on within me. Like I just didn't know how to make sense of things. And so it was really great. I kind of did that in tandem with the therapy sessions that I did have. They would give me some prompting questions um, to, you know, to, to just journal on. So you'd, you'd start the page with the question and then you'd just journal with whatever came up. And that was really, really powerful. And I've just got to say, you know, a lot of those journal entries actually made their way into my book, which um, I want to offer to women who are journeying through cancer. So this book is the book that I wish that I'd had when I was journeying um, through myself. So it's called The Gift of Cancer, The Healing Journal. Um, there are a number of mindfulness practices, journaling pages and self-inquiry questions in here. So it's a stunning hardcover book that has, um, I don't know if you can see that, but there's lots of different sections and pages to make this book your own and to really give, give comfort. It's like a big hug as you go through your own treatment journey. There's also at the back of the book um, a healing, um, a health record section. So you can, you can document your medical team, um, the different surgeries and chemo and radiation or whatever um, pathway that you end up going through, your family history, et cetera. So it can be a bit of a testament to the experience that you go through and how you've coped, how you've responded, the insights that you've got through it. My mum is also a two-time breast cancer survivor. Um, interesting how life works out that way. But for her, it was 30 years ago. And I'm like, mum, how was it for you? And she's like, it was so long ago. She goes, I know it was hard, but I don't really remember specifics. So if I had a book like this of her journey, I might have been able to understand her journey that bit more. But even just for family members who, you know, want to help and support in ways they can, it's a beautiful uh, a beautiful gift to give someone when you don't know what to get them, like when chocolates and wine really isn't the right thing and you're wanting something that's a bit more meaningful and something that's actually going to help them heal from within. This book is beautiful. 
Yeah, it's beautiful. And um, and so do you want to hold that up one more time? Let them <laughs> again. And, you know, I think what you were saying earlier, it's beautiful, just beautiful. It's uh, a gorgeous book. so important. But as you would know that sometimes there's so many thoughts going through, you can't sift through them. So the questions and the self-inquiry questions to guide people is a great place to start. And I'm sure when you first started journaling, Cindy, it might have started off with a few sentences and then all of a sudden the words just flowed. Yeah. And it's a great way to get it out of your body and onto paper so that you don't have to carry that around. Yeah, totally. And so often we do, don't we? And that was the other thing about the book too is I put this beautiful, um, well, the printers did, um, this beautiful band on it because I kind of thought you can put your special thoughts and feelings in a book and then when it's time to just park them, you can put the band on and put it away and it's like your treasured place to capture your thoughts. But then you can open it and dive in when you want to. So I kind of wanted to create a, a special place for people to capture those those thoughts and feelings. Yeah. I would imagine too that one of the things that you have found that has been very empowering too is sometimes to go back and look over some of the things that you wrote. I mean, how often do we write? And and this is when we are in flow of, you know, the writing and we go back and read something and it's almost like I can't believe that I actually wrote that. There's a lot of insights that we write to ourselves that when we go back later, it's like, I can't remember writing that, but that is just so empowering. Did you, did you have moments like that? Well, I was going to say, Anne-Marie, that even the writing of this book, like I've had many iterations, right, where I've, I've written it, then I've edited it. So I handed it over to the editor so it was ready for her. And then she wanted me to read it out loud back to her. So the whole editing process, I revisited the words many times. And then at the end of it, because my husband's not a big reader, he's not someone who likes to curl up with a book. He goes, could you read the book to me? So like there's only part of the book is actually my journey. So I read the 12 chapters out loud to him and so that was me revisiting what I'd written again. And even when I read it to him, I cried in two places. So I know that there's been immense healing going through the many iterations of editing, rewriting, producing this book, and then reading it out loud even, how powerful it was to do those, those different um, steps. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about that too is that when you've gone through the process of healing or probably would be uh, up the process of dealing with the physical side of things, you've gone through your treatment and so forth, the healing doesn't stop, does it? There are other things that you continue to have to heal from and grow through and things like that. The importance of doing that, I'd love for you to share a few insights on this because so often... I think as individuals, as humans that are a heart, mind and, and spirit, we only deal with the physical side of things. Well, you hear from cancer, which is fantastic, of course, but there's also healing that has to be done around the heart and mm. the spirit too because if those don't heal, again, that can inhibit the whole environment and what's going on in between, you know, what you spoke about earlier. So, Tell us a little bit about that too because I'm sure that that is all part of the healing journey that you experienced mm -hmm. and went through. 
Yeah. So two things have come to mind with that question. Firstly, I was already doing some body work with this amazing woman who she blends a whole pile of different modalities together. And so I already had a trusting rapport with her. She already knew my body. She does massage and acupuncture and a whole pile of other things. I won't go into the detail, but I was already very much that way inclined around complementary therapies. And so I was on her mat one day and I was crying my eyes out because I'd just been diagnosed for the second time. And she said, uh, your soul will be getting something out of this that it wants. And I'm like, what a strange thing to say. And then, but straight away I had a, I had an answer. Like it was like I checked in with myself and the answer that came back was you're exhausted. You need a break. And when I thought about like cast my mind back over my whole life, like I've just been going, 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 and I haven't really properly rested. I've been a single mom for my son's 21 now. So raised him pretty much on my own run a business for since 2007 so however many years that 15 years so I've had a lot of responsibility I've done a lot of it on my own and it was like all of a sudden my soul was saying you're getting a break you know you're going to down tools you're going to take time out for treatment and so it was almost in a way like I had manifested this And then I was chatting with a girlfriend. I'm very blessed with lots of beautiful spiritual girlfriends. And I was chatting with this girlfriend one day and she said, your soul's getting an upgrade. And I'm like, what? What do you mean by that? But when I started to let those words sink in, I thought, well, it's really true because how else would I create these changes in my life? How else would I have that awareness that I needed to make some changes, that I needed to do things differently, that I, you know, that that the things that I was doing in my life weren't really keeping me in balance. They were pulling me off course and pulling me out of balance. So my tree really needed to be shaken hard, didn't it, to actually wake me up to it. So I'm a big fan of um, body's wisdom. Like our bodies are wise beyond our knowing. And so if we tune in, we'll get a little whisper first. And if we ignore that, we get a little tap and then we'll get a full on slap. And for me, cancer was the slap. I'd missed the earlier stages. I'd overridden the messages that my body was giving me, that I was run down. I was exhausted. I really needed a break, that I was carrying too much load. Um, Some of that of my own making sure, but some of it was just the way life had served cards to me. And I needed a break. I absolutely needed a break. So for me, whisper, tap, slap, listen to the whisper um, and make sure to create yourself, you know, create an environment for yourself where you're eating good foods, um, you're exercising or moving your body in ways to keep active um, are so important and managing stress, keeping, you know, keeping your sleep up. They're all important to actually maintain good balance. Absolutely. And when you provide that good balance, the body does not need to whisper or slap or tap <laughs> at all, which is just so important. So, Cindy, how can people get a copy of the book? How can they reach out to you? Because I know that you provide um, different programs as well. But what's the best link? Where can people go? Yeah, so the best place to find the book is at healingjournal.co. The website's here on the back of the book. 
healingjournal.co is a great place to find the book where you can buy it direct from me um, and also on that website I've got um, a couple of online programs so there's a cancer companion e-course which if you're in the thick of treatment and you're feeling isolated and alone and no one gets you and you know that you feel like you're the only one in the world going through this the cancer companion course is a beautiful place to start the Healing Journal is the workbook for that online course. So it's a lovely place to connect in, to follow. You know, I've got a number of meditations in there, mindfulness practices. There's all sorts of activities to help you dive into your experience more fully to heal the emotional and psychological sides of treatment. There's also some free meditations on my website as well to activate your own body-mind healing. So they're there as free resources to help yourself too as well. Terrific. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Cindy. And of course, connect with Cindy at the addresses that she gave. Um, and if you'd like to meet maybe her personally on one of the Business Women Australia um, meetups that we have, there are lots of different chapters around Australia. All you need to do is go to businesswomenaustralia.com.au. Uh, once you go there, there's a number of membership options that you can check out, lots of uh, information there if you want to connect and become part of a dynamic collective of leaders and learners so that you can gain the knowledge and the skills to enable you to succeed in business. So once again, thank you for coming on the show, Cindy. Thank you so much for having me, Anne-Marie.